are listening to Africa Rights Talk, a Center for Human Rights podcast series hosted by Tatenda Musinahama. Welcome to the conversation. In today's episode, our guest is an alumni of the Human Rights and Democratization in Africa Master's Program from the Center for Human Rights. He was recently elected as the chairperson of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights at its 65th ordinary session in Banjul, the Gambia. A warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Can you just introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, uh, I'm Solomon Ayala Derso. I'm an Ethiopian uh, by nationality. As you indicated, I am a lawyer by profession. Mm -hmm. uh, studied at the Center for Human Rights uh, as part of the LLM program on uh, human rights and democratization in Africa. I am part of the class of 2003 of uh, that program. Among the group of students that are now called ancients. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe what your experiences were with the HRDA program at the Center for Human Rights? My experience at the Center for Human Rights uh, has been a very enriching learning experience. Mm -hmm. When we were at the center, I think it must be common for all that have gone through the HRDA program. You always feel that there is very little time mm -hmm. left on your hands to engage in depth on the kind of stuff that you are exposed to, on the kind of materials that you have been provided with. And you often feel that you are uh, living under pressure <laughs> and sometimes to a point of doubting yourself whether or not you have actually picked up anything. Of <laughs> Substantive mm -hmm. and 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 uh, meaningful. After the end of the first semester, the six months period, I think I have discovered later on after I departed a center that uh, there have been certain extremely important things that I have taken away mm -hmm. uh, from the center that became the foundation for uh, launching my professional career. One relates to, I think, uh, the most important aspect of the engagement at the Center for Human Rights is the opportunity that it presents for expanding of your course. horizon. Mm -hmm. I think more than anything else, the six months period exposes you to the big universe of human rights, both in terms of norms, institutions, advocacy mechanisms, and how you basically operate in that world in in, uh, in so many ways. So that is, I think, one of the most important things that later on I said, uh, although I doubted, you know, how much I have internalized from what I have gone through, but that, I think, is the most important part. The other one is, I think, the skills dimension. Mm -hmm. And the skills dimension usually comes in the form of how your stay during the course of the program sharpens, if not completely transforms, your writing skills, your research skills. That is so fundamental for any kind of engagement that you have in the field of human of rights, whether be it in advocacy, be it in scholarship and, and, and academia, or be it in the policy-making environment. And the equally important aspect of, I think, the skills uh, is the possibility of being able not only to master the language of human rights, but also be able to make use of that language mm -hmm. for purpose of making a very powerful communication with others. So your speaking skills, skills in terms of mobilizing arguments, gets really 
sharpened uh, in the course of your stay. So I think those are really uh, some of the great experiences beyond and above, of course, uh, meeting some of the great legal minds from the continent and understanding coming from a country like Ethiopia what Africa is of course okay, within that context mm -hmm. so these are really some of the major highlights of my experience of being at the Center for Human Rights um, in 2003 that's fantastic that's very motivating for someone who would like to take up the course in uh, human rights and democratization in Africa it's good to see how much value it adds to you know people of your stature what has been the most challenging thing you have faced in your career or and maybe the highlights of your career after you started doing the HRDA program so after you know doing the, the HRDA uh, program often you are not sure of where you are heading okay. <laughs> basically okay. you have pretty much the world open for you and now it's a question of knowing what it is that you wish to do with whatever it is that you have mobilized you have acquired and how you are going to go about doing that okay so the uncertainties making that determination uh, of whether i should go uh, to advocacy or research or um, i think figuring that out okay first understanding yourself your strength of your course. weakness mm -hmm. and after that how to create opportunities and make use of those opportunities so deciding what it is that i need to take myself to okay that is one uh, challenge that i have faced another challenge obviously uh, has to do with juggling different responsibilities in the human rights field obviously beyond and above what you have acquired at the center for human rights what human rights mean in different contexts and how they can be made meaningful in those diverse contexts. Okay. Uh, understanding that and uh, deploying them to respond to the human rights needs of those different contexts. I think often that is a major challenge you know, in terms of making sure that you have uh, successful strategies, how you engage with respect to different human rights needs and in different contexts in particularly. So figuring that out, obviously also once I found that my interest and strength lies more in the research, mm -hmm. particularly policy research and academia, yeah. but basically, you know, uh, engaging and responding to specific needs and demands mm -hmm. of the now and today and in that process also engaging in advocacy. Mm -hmm. And so not just uh, when I say in advocacy, uh, not just at the continental level, but also importantly at the national level. So combining what happens in your surrounding at your own uh, national level and responding to that mm -hmm. from the vantage point of your um, you, your role as a human rights scholar or as a human rights practitioner uh, and I think it is really combining at that level teaching policy research and also being able to respond to uh, some of the issues arising in your own context. Uh, sometimes uh, I don't consider myself a human rights defender or uh, a civil society advocate, but in the platforms and in opportunities that I have, uh, 
I have a sense of responsibility to say I need to speak out on mm-hmm. this thing and and when those moments arrive and present themselves doing so um, that obviously puts you uh, in various difficult co- conditions and circumstances but I would say that uh, my experience has not been really that of the experience that many advocates uh, do have mm-hmm. uh, I have to say that it's a much more smoother experience that I have had and I think operating in a policy environment I think I find that one to be a very challenging one mm-hmm. because you have to deal with um, institutions, you have to deal with uh, people who uh, may not adequately appreciate uh, the value and importance of your area of engagement. Mm-hmm. Actually, they see you as um, uh, somebody who is obstructing yes. what they consider to mm-hmm. be their pursuit of whatever valuable endeavor Mm -hmm. to be for them, particularly if you engage state institutions uh, in that context. I I find that one to be extremely challenging. Um, In terms of uh, highlights uh, from uh, my my, my professional uh, experience, um, I would say there have been many interesting uh, moments that I have had, Uh, but after leaving, I think, the center, continuing to do my PhD uh, Mm -hmm. studies, uh, that was a very important Uh, engagement uh, for me and uh, I consider that one of the milestones in my development. Another area that I consider uh, another highlight that I consider to be of value uh, relates to the uh, engagement that I have come to have particularly with the policy organs uh, of the African Union Uh, that uh, constitutes you know another major highlight because it gave me a very in-depth insight into the inadequacies and opportunities Mm -hmm. that you have in order to bring in the human rights dimension into the wider policy-making process of the African Union. So that, you know, uh, I think I consider another highlight. During the course of my career, I have uh, also been uh, engaged in policy research, specifically on peace and security Mm -hmm. issues, and uh, on that occasion being recognized within the institution that I have been working on, the Institute for Security Studies, but also within the wider peace and security community uh, on the African continent as, you know, a leading policy thinker and, and, and analyst. I think that is also another uh, major highlight that helped me to have very meaningful engagement in the peace and security arena, but also not uh, carrying with me the human rights work that I've been doing, exactly. And in that context, of course, you know, some of the stuff that I have started early on, such as, for example, the work that I've been doing on human rights and peace and security, it took me about more than 10 years, for example, for me to see its fruition. Wow. Starting with uh, a monograph that I authored in 2008 with the adoption by the African Commission on Human and People's Rights of the study on human rights in conflict situations. Mm. Uh, Some of the engagement is a very uh, long-term engagement whose fruition you get to see only (laughs) perhaps more than a decade (laughs) or so. So, I mean, those things really, I have to say, my membership in the African Commission on Human and People's Rights and my election to uh, this uh, premier human rights body of the African uh, human rights system. And finally, as you mentioned earlier on, through the various engagements and works, I think that is the most important thing that I have to say I consider personally to be the major highlights. Mm-hmm. What kind of engagement and contribution making this membership in the African Commission presented to me and how I have 
uh, tried my very best to take advantage of those opportunities mm -hmm. to make that meaningful contribution, uh, which ultimately culminated in uh, my being elected mm -hmm. as the chairperson of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. Fantastic. I'm awed by your experience and learning about it. And what I understand you saying is that dedication, commitment and perseverance will take you far. One of the most important things that you mentioned for me, and I think it's important for other government stakeholders to realize is that it's not really a game of hindering states or a naming and shaming exercise. As a chairperson of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights, you know, you have this understanding which promotes collaboration and understanding amongst um, different um, African nations. So um, that brings me to the next question. You know, a lot of people don't understand what these uh, bodies are. So can you explain, you know, for the benefit of the audience, what the African Commission on Human and People's Rights is? It's quite a long name, but, you know, can you just explain what that is? Okay, before I do that, let me add one thing, <laughs> I, which I uh, thought is extremely important and mm -hmm. meaningful as well. I am engaged in uh, legal scholarship okay. uh, and in that process engaged in uh, research, writing and publication mm -hmm. and also in teaching. But in terms of the policy sphere, apart from my role in the commission, I also have established uh, a policy research think tank oh, wow. uh, called Amani Africa uh, that does uh, policy research, analysis as well as uh, training and technical assistance, particularly to policy-making organs uh, of the African Union, focusing on principally peace and security, but also covering also regional integration and uh, governance uh, issues. So uh, another highlight, I think, for me in my professional career is uh, the opportunity that I had uh, to establish a policy research think tank mm -hmm and the successful way that uh, Amani Africa has taken off mm -hmm. in terms of becoming uh, the go-to place, particularly for analysis on issues on the agenda of the Peace and Security Council of mm -hmm. the African Union, which is the principal policy uh, decision-making body on I, peace and security, mm -hmm. like the Security Council of the United Nations. Now, in terms of what does uh, the African Commission on Human Rights uh, uh, on human and people's rights do in terms of its, its, its responsibility. I think first, the African Commission on Human and People's Rights is a treaty body which has three mandates. The first mandate is there are human rights guarantees mm -hmm. that are enshrined in the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, which is the founding uh, treaty of the African human rights system. These rights consist of civil and political rights, uh, like uh, the right to life, freedom from torture, socio-economic uh, rights like uh, the right to uh, work, uh, the right to health, uh, and also collective rights of peoples like uh, the right to self-determination mm -hmm. or the right of peoples to natural uh, resources. Uh, and the Commission, African Commission on Human and People's Rights, is charged with the responsibility uh, of monitoring the implementation of these rights by states who have subscribed voluntarily but legally <laughs> bound by uh, this uh, treaty uh, in terms of the fulfillment, in terms of the protection uh, and respect 
of these rights enshrined in the African Charter. As part of that monitoring process, of course, it has to, for example, in terms of the monitoring process, to monitor what is happening mm -hmm. in each of the states' parties to the African Charter. Almost all states of the African Union, with the exception of Morocco, are parties to the African Charter. It, it means that the Charter is one of the few instruments of the AU that has near universal ratification. Mm -hmm. So the Commission monitors how human rights are uh, being observed uh, in each of these member states. And on the, on the basis of that monitoring, it can do or initiate a number of things. One, it can, for example, uh, issue a statement uh, if it is uh, an issue mm -hmm. uh, that needs to be responded urgently. It can also write urgent letters of appeal to the highest authority in that state, or it can adopt uh, a resolution, uh, basically saying this situation is not in accord with your commitment in the African Charter on Human Rights, and you need to do ABCD in respect of this situation. Uh, so that is, you know, uh, one. The other thing that it does is it also, under Article 62 of the Charter, states have obligation to submit a report okay. on how they are implementing their obligations under the Charter. So the Commission is responsible for receiving, reviewing and reviewing those state reports. Mm -hmm and critically engaging uh, with member states during the course of that review. Member states have to come to the Commission during its public session and engage, uh, present their report, and the Commission actually critically engages with the review process of, of the, and use that to identify areas that require consolidation because they are poverty, and other areas that require further work because they show limitations and gaps and inadequacies and failures on the part of states in terms of the fulfillment of their uh, obligations. As we did, for example, from the Schizophrenes organization that you made reference to with respect to the state report of mm -hmm. Zimbabwe and with respect to the state report of uh, Chad. Another one is receiving complaints from individuals, from communities, uh, from civil society organizations on human rights violations that affected either an individual or a group of people. Mm -hmm. Basically, this one is what you can we consider to be the judicial uh, role of the Commission. Okay. Receiving individual complaints about specific human rights violations, seeking the Commission to provide remedy mm -hmm. and redress for those violations, making a finding on the occurrence of those violations, just like a court. Okay. That is what we call the communications procedure. So, citizens in states' parties to the African Charter have this avenue of approaching directly the oh. Commission. Okay. All right? And seeking remedies for violations that they have suffered mm -hmm. through this communications uh, procedure. So this direct access that the Commission avails for citizens, for them to get remedies, is another uh, area of work and, and engagement of the Commission. Uh, finally, the Commission also engages in uh, what we call uh, normative development. Mm -hmm. uh, it has the interpretative mandate, to the mandate to interpret the African Charter, uh, but also to do uh, 
analysis of various emerging and important areas of theme of human rights. So within that framework, for example, the Commission has what we call the special mechanisms. These are either special reporters, mm-hmm. individual members of the Commission take responsibility for a specific theme which is found to be important for the promotion and protection of human rights, uh, such as, for example, the special rapporteur on freedom of expression. Mm-hmm. All right, And we also get organized in terms of a group of people, like, for example, the Working Group on Extractive Industries, mm-hmm. Human Rights and Environment, which I am responsible to chair, or in terms of a committee, like the Committee Against Torture, for mm-hmm. example. We have certain such mechanisms, but in addition to that, there are also specific thematic issues on uh, specific areas of human rights concern, such as the case, for example, in respect to the work that have been tasked by the Commission, others other focal person on human rights in conflict situations, or other focal person uh, for uh, transitional justice and human and people's rights in Africa. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, these are the different ways in which the Commission works, uh, and. Um, uh, through these various avenues, the Commission uh, actually uh, not only uh, tries to hold states accountable, but also to enable states okay. deliver on their responsibilities by providing them with these various uh, uh, normative guidelines by also recommending specific measures being taken by states uh, through its decisions. Okay. So what are the channels that a person can take up in order to reach out to the African Commission on Human and People's Rights? So uh, one of the good things about the African Human Rights System, particularly the Commission's working arrangement, is that you don't have to bring your case by yourself. You can actually make use of anyone. It can be an individual uh, who have who is educated and who can be able to help you, or it can be a civil society organization. Mm-hmm. All right, anyone who can espouse your cause can actually on your behalf, make a representation with the African Commission on Human okay. and People's Rights. So the Commission, for example, doesn't have a very strict standing requirement that for you to approach the Commission, you need to be the person who has been affected by okay. the, the violation mm-hmm. of rights. You don't have to. And that opens even a bigger and a wider avenue mm-hmm. for people to uh, use any channel of their convenience uh, for approaching the Commission on Human and People's Rights. As the newly appointed chairperson of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights, what do you aim to achieve in the tenure? Well, um, um, some of the... There, there are a number of challenges that the Commission and in the work that it does faces. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to address some of those challenges or at least, you know, to initiate measures uh, towards the resolution of those those standing challenges facing the institution is uh, the most important area of engagement for me. Uh, these may relate to capacity deficiencies mm-hmm. that uh, undermine and impede the effective delivery of the work of the Commission, such as, for example, the limited staff that the Commission had at its secretariat, particularly the challenge surrounding the recruitment of the 
required staff complement of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights, that is one. Another one relates to the building of, for example, the headquarters of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. After 30 years, uh, this remains a major issue. Uh, actually, um, it's one of my first area of engagement and, mm-hmm. and, and, and work um, because um, we need the kind of support that we can get, actually, if there is if there are archite- architects and people who know architects who can provide mm-hmm. uh, this, kind uh, of this kind of yeah. uh, para- support to the commission <laughs> to design uh, to provide the, archite- the architectural design mm-hmm. uh, for the headquarters of the commission I think we would welcome to help us uh, get the process uh, move move forward um, similarly improving the working conditions at the level of the secretariat um, uh, I think these are some of the institutional challenge facing the commission that I, I would uh, endeavor to, to to address another one has to do with the question of uh, the visibility uh, of the commission mm-hmm. the question of uh, the extent to which um, the uh, wider African uh, public uh, even uh, the relevant stakeholders such as state actors knowing about the work of the commission mm-hmm. and why knowing about the work of the commission and making use of the work of the commission uh, would be helpful for states in their uh, in the discharge of their responsibilities uh, in fulfilling the mandate that they have from their public mm-hmm. i think um, uh, engaging in that at, at that level is extremely important uh, but also in a time that we are in uh, we have a very big uh, useful population uh, as the youngest chairperson of the commission <laughs> i consider it to be incumbent on me to have a wider engagement with the youth of course uh, for them to be aware of uh, their rights but also uh, for them to be also conscious of how they can make use of the african human rights system for the advancement of their well-being and their uh, their rights and for the betterment of their communities mm-hmm. i think that is you know uh, broadly uh, through engagements like this one for example uh, through podcasts or through the media engagement you know enhancing the the visibility of the commission uh, which provides opportunities for buy-in uh, in terms of the work of the commission um, and I think another one and extremely important is of course two uh, related issues one is how to improve the buy-in and reception of the recommendations and the decisions of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights by mm-hmm. states parties uh, including in terms of creating uh, avenues trust and confidence uh, in a you know, in a way that is respectful mm-hmm. of the independence of the African Commission on Human People's yes. Rights, mm-hmm. in a way that is faithful to the responsibility of the African Commission, to the mandate of the African Commission on Human and People's Rights. And but getting that uh, engagement from member states is extremely critical for the successful execution of the mandate of the Commission. So mm-hmm. that engagement remains to be a major area of interest, uh, not just for me as the chair, but also. Uh, for the African Commission and its its its, its wider stakeholders, mm-hmm. so you know, expanding the engagement within the wider African Union system with member states individually and in their collectivity as part of the AU uh, is another uh, area of engagement. And finally, I think um, one thing that I'm very keen on is having a very robust uh, assessment. Okay. of the state of human rights in Africa mm-hmm. and the state of the human rights system in Africa 
and uh, within that context uh, reflecting on what the future of the human rights system is and how the African Commission on Human and People's Rights should position itself. It can be in terms of its thematic focus, such as, for example, the increasing uh, human rights issues arising from major weather events that mm -hmm. have become very common on the African continent. Addressing these kinds of new issues, but also things like um, artificial intelligence, uh, digitalization of mm -hmm. our life, and the issues that arise from these new technological uh, developments. Um, and in that context, what is it that the Commission uh, needs to position itself? While consolidating and strengthening its existing engagement, in what ways should the Commission shift uh, its working methods and shift its areas of uh, focus? I think these are really some of the uh, area. What do you think will be the collaborative actions you can take with other mechanisms? Do you think it would be beneficial to engage in such activities? Um, I think it's the co collaboration is uh, extremely important. Mm -hmm. Actually, it is um, at the core of the uh, you know the uh, wiring of the African Commission. For mm -hmm. example, if you look at the Commission's uh, you know logo, it says "Human Rights: Our Collective Responsibility." Yes. All right. Mm -hmm. So that you know basically is a recognition of the fact that this is not something that the Commission by itself alone can discharge and and, and fulfill. It's something that it has to uh, pursue mm -hmm. on the basis of collaboration. So that, that, that point is a very valuable point. Um, and this can take different forms. Uh, in all the work that the Commission does, it has to uh, do so in partnership with civil society organizations, national human rights institutes, um, you know, sister bodies uh, like the Africa Court or the Committee on the Rights of the Child, um, or with uh, the UN-based uh, systems, mm -hmm. all right? Um, so for some of the work that we do, definitely, uh, because of the interdependence and the complementarity yes. that exists, mm -hmm. uh, we need to draw on, and we do draw on, uh, the contribution of these different institutions. And there is a lot of opportunity for doing that. Um, for example, we... Uh, have, uh, as I mentioned, different special mechanisms working on different areas of uh, thematic areas. Uh, sometimes those special mechanisms have a counterpart in uh, the UN system. Okay. All right. And which means that there is uh, institutional arrangement uh, on the basis of which uh, a collaborative work can be undertaken and, 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 and implemented. There have been experiences of doing that, such as, for example, uh, uh, Professor Christoph Haynes uh, had a very uh, productive uh, engagement when he, he was a special reporter uh, on extrajudicial uh, arbitrary uh, killings and summary execution, uh, working with the working group of the commission on um, uh, the right to life, death penalty, and extrajudicial killings uh, for the development of the commission's uh, general comment mm -hmm. on the right to life. Uh, so uh, that uh, possibility and framework for uh, collaboration is certainly there. Um, and um, within the means and within uh, the priorities that the commission sets, obviously, I think uh, it can't do it by itself alone. 
yes, uh, four reasons of resource, four reasons of also scale, uh, and, and, and many other factors. Uh, and importantly, of course, this responsibility is a collective one. Of course. Thank you for that a very informative answer. Just to wrap up, do you have any recommendations or any personal reflections you have in relation to what we were just discussing? I have to say uh, that thank you very much for the opportunity for me to explain about the African Commission on Human and People's Rights uh, and what uh, I foresee uh, in terms of my mandate, uh, the areas of priorities and, and areas of concern uh, that I would like to engage in. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to collaboration and uh, support uh, from the wider uh, human rights uh, stakeholders uh, like the Center for Human Rights in the course of uh, my pursuit of these various agendas that I have highlighted. Uh, I think, uh, um, you know, uh, there is uh, a lot of opportunity for also bringing the work of the Commission to institutions like the Center for mm -hmm. Human Rights, uh, where the legal minds uh, that uh, have provided the African human rights system a lot of great um, human resource, a lot of great uh, intellectual input uh, are being prepared. So in terms of that, you know, I very much look forward to the possibilities of uh, a more closer uh, interaction, a more closer uh, working relationship because the dissemination work that I mentioned earlier on requires engaging not only civil society organizations, uh, but also media house, but also importantly, mm -hmm. academia and uh, uh, research institutions like the Center for Human Rights. So I look forward to the uh, a stronger support and collaboration with the Center. Thank you very much. This has been Africa Rights Talk with me, Tatenda Mesina Hamad. Join us in our other episodes as we continue to explore other human rights issues.